0: Welcome to you, Macintosh, and Mod. haven't seen what? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we are kicking off our new summer series. It's action time. It's our action-packed summer. And today we're starting with Rumble in the Bronx.
1: A young man visiting and helping his uncle in New York City finds himself forced to fight a street gang and the mob with his martial arts skills.
0: It's a Jackie Chan movie!
1: It is... The breakout Jackie Chan movie.
0: Yeah, we we could do a Jackie Chan series easy and we probably will. He's got
1: built-in franchises.
0: He does. And we that was one of the things that when we were looking at doing this series, gone through a lot of titles here. We we're just like, "Okay, we want to do some martial arts and we ha- we can't not do Jackie Chan. Let's do his breakout film in the US." Yes. Um he's been around for years before this film but this is his breakout film here and so i had never seen this
1: i feel like i've seen parts of it that i remember but never the whole way through mm-hmm. in one sitting and never not edited for television man this is a bonkers movie
0: it is a bonkers movie but i i've just i've always loved jackie chan so this was just we had to talk about him
1: this movie has that die another day quality of about halfway through it jumps the shark like, so hard. Like,
0: what are we doing here? What's happening?
1: That it almost starts to work more. But
0: you know what else this film really reminded me of? Of? Batman.
1: The 89 version? Yes.
0: The very stereotypical people. And then the the costuming and the set pieces just felt very, like, what are you doing? Well, <sighs> I felt like I was in one of those comic book
1: movies. To me, that movie, though, at least has a cohesive structure. Sure. This one doesn't. And thinking about it now, it's because this movie is trying to figure out whether it wants to be the typical Jackie Chan action comedy Mm -hmm. or it wants to be something darker.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's jumping back and forth between those things at random intervals without any warning.
0: Well, and I think it's trying to decide if it wants to be a Hong Kong film. Or an American film.
1: Well, there are production reasons why I think that I, happens. I,
0: I I think that's the production is it. We're struggling with which audience
1: are we trying to appease? Yeah, it's it's a super uneven movie. But the caveat is the fighting is fucking amazing. So
0: good, it is so good. And I mean, I love Jackie Chan. I just I love Jackie Chan.
1: The dialogue is dumb. The characters are completely one dimensional. Mm-hmm. But you don't care. <laughs> Because the fighting is so badass when they get to it. And the like five fight scenes they do are nuts. They're pretty good. You know, it is is a sight to behold of a movie if it just had something through the whole thing for us to latch on to. And I know that movies from Hong Kong earlier, because I've seen some of them,
0: have that. Mm
1: -hmm. His police story movies have a full story and have a full through line. And so for whatever reason, this one just kind of is all over the place. Yeah. All right. The budget for this film was seven and a half million dollars.
0: That's not a lot for an action film. For
1: 1995, that is nothing anymore.
0: No, especially considering like what they did in this movie. That's that's not a lot of money.
1: There's no special effects. No. None whatsoever. Well,
0: like there's the tearing the building down. That's and throwing a car off of a parking garage.
1: And I. Don't know that those are special effects, but
0: like that, those cost a lot of money to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: and everything else is done with using things that exist in the environment they're in mm-hmm. and then figuring out how to make a stunt happen on top of them. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much Jackie Chan's entire career. What do we have, and how do I make it look badass doing it? Yeah, <laughs> opening weekend. It took in $10 million in the U.S. Total gross in the U.S. was $32,500,000. Nice. And that says it's the total gross period, but I don't believe that because we don't actually have the Hong Kong figures for this movie. Okay. But what we do know was that this was the most profitable film in China and Hong Kong that year. And the biggest thing is it broke the record. By appearing in 2,000 U.S. cinemas.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: This got a full wide release in the U.S. Okay. That That's what it means by breakout. People knew about Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time where we're like, Jackie Chan is doing a film in America and he's trying to cross over.
0: Well, and everyone saw this film. Everybody. Like anybody who was into action films saw this movie.
1: If you were ever in taekwondo or karate of any kind... You probably saw this movie. Oh, I
0: know. I know my brother and my dad went to see this movie. (laughs) 95? Yeah. 95. Oh, this was peak Taekwondo years for my brother and my dad. Yeah. Uh
1: Uh-huh. And I will say this. This movie is a hard R Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. His other movies are almost family friendly in some ways.
0: He tends to play more in the PG-13, almost exclusively because of the violence
1: yeah and and it just depends there are some things where it's like it's pg it's totally fine for kids and stuff yeah and there's some stuff where it's like eh, it's a little edgy but it's it's mostly fine this one goes hardcore Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's them trying to sell to an american audience hungry for that kind of action but you know there's a note that when they did the bottle scene jackie was really concerned about that Mm -hmm. because he was like look families watch my movies yeah And I'm getting bloody. Are we going to be okay with that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's one of the best scenes in the film.
0: It's a good scene.
1: But he's got a reputation to uphold. And is it going to work? I I think
0: it's mostly an R because they throw people in wood chippers. (laughs) They
1: go way. Way I, over the top.
0: I, I mean, by today's standard, I would say the wood chipper is what pushes pushes it over the R rating line.
1: And the language and the, the I don't know. isn't great. Throwing around a handicapped kid. It's not good
0: either. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're just like, there, there's a lot of racial insensitivity here in Hans' movie. We're not going to pretend it's great. No. No, we're not going to pretend it's great. We're not going to pretend it's not lovely during our the unrest that's happening currently. It's not. It's not fabulous, no. No, and- We don't love it. Donate to your local bailout organization.
1: The one thing I do notice with this movie is that this movie does not feel like a New York is grimy and gross type movie that we still saw into the mid-90s, which was not fucking true at that point anymore. Mm -hmm. This movie is a fever dream of what they think those movies are like. Like, it's such a weird- other worldly concept of that how they set this movie and designed this
0: movie <laughs> it is someone who has never been to the bronx oh at, yeah at that time's opinion or idea of what these people or these gangs or groups would be like or talk like what they would do it's that what they piece it together it was almost like almost like a child's imagination
1: yeah which like i said about halfway through the movie, there's a gear that clicks where you go, okay, and then it gets kind of just funny and entertaining.
0: We're in the Sega game that is not in, the, we're the Sega cartridge that's not in the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what this movie is. This is. It's a video game. It's it, a fucking video game and a fucking cartoon. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's what it is.
1: All right, the writing. We have two writers for this, Edward Tang and Phoebe Ma. Edward Tang, before this, wrote *The Magnificent Butcher*, *Dragon Lord*, *Project A*, which is Jackie Chan's big lead role in Hong Kong. Okay. Police Story, *Armor of God*, *Project A 2*, *Police Story 2*, *Operation Condor*, which I know I've heard of, and that's the sequel to *Armor of God*. Yeah. Super Cop, which is also *Police Story 3*, *The Legend of Drunken Master*. Okay. After this, *Mr. Nice Guy* and *Chinese Zodiac* the third Armor of God movie that came out in 2015.
0: I know about Mr. Nice Guy. (laughs) All right.
1: Our other writer is Fibé Ma. He hasn't done quite as much before this, Super Cop, after this, Mr. Nice Guy. Okay. What do we think of the writing?
0: It's crap.
1: It's not very good. No. Now, there's some weirdness around this. Okay. Obviously, the dialogue was spoken using native languages. You can see that with the dubs in the film.
0: Yeah, it's completely dubbed, yeah. Which I don't have a problem with.
1: I don't have any problem with it. It, It's what they did with all his other movies when they brought him over to America. Mm -hmm. There is a completely undubbed version Mm -hmm. that has been available through Warner Japanese. Okay. And you can hear in that version, Jackie speaking in Cantonese while the actors playing Nancy and Danny speak English. Okay. Because that's their native language. But the biggest thing is that It was always intended to be dubbed for international and Hong Kong markets. It was just, they were going to overdub everything for this one side and everything for the other. Mm -hmm. New Line Cinema then changed some of the English dubs Mm -hmm. for the film and tweaked to the original dialogue.
0: Of course they did.
1: Not to mention that this version that we watched, the US version, is about 15 minutes shorter than the Hong Kong version. Okay. I think they cut out something important okay some kind of little pieces of connective tissue that made this movie work better i kind of want to see the hong kong cut
0: hmm, that would be interesting
1: because i feel like we would get all that weird stuff we were missing in between
0: hmm, i don't know <laughs> i don't know that i'm missing so much because it's just that the dialogue's so crappy because i get the story This like i understand the story like i don't feel like anything's missing from that i just think the story's not very good yeah and i feel like the dialogue is horrible like that's where i i am most annoyed because the story is meh but if it had better dialogue i would be like okay well like this movie isn't the best movie ever but the action's so amazing i don't care
1: but it's not even that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah It's it's no it's no good
0: it's just not it's not great
1: the other thing that is weird is that the american dub removes any reference to the fact that kung's character jackie's character in the film is supposed to be a cop from Hong Kong, which to me, the one thing that that does is it gives me some type of explanation why he's able to go do all this dangerous shit with the police.
0: It would, it explains why he's so investigative and why, why he's so fit and why, of course he's training, which I don't always need that. I don't typically care. Like when we talked about red Dawn, like I liked that, you know, Chris Hemsworth character, he's a former marine that instantly told you why he had all this training knowledge. That's it. That's great. That's that was needed for story reasons. Here, it would be helpful to know he's a cop to explain why all of a sudden he's smart enough to follow these leads.
1: Yes. (laughs)
0: Like that.
1: Yeah. Why he's so (laughs) comfortable just putting on a wire and going in to infiltrate this gang. So writing bad. Bad. So bad. Yeah. Any context would have been nice for this film.
0: Yeah, context any. context of who he was at home would have been great. Just to know any of these people, rather than just throwing us into it. Because for all I know, he's a clown. Yeah. Because, you know, he's doing acrobatics, and he's stalking the grocery store. Like, I don't know what he does. <laughs> and they don't say anything. So, yeah, it's it's really hard to know.
1: Uh, directing. We have Stanley Tong. Before this, he did the Stone Age Warriors, Swordsman 2, then Supercop and Supercop 2. After this, First Strike, Mr. Magoo with Ooh. Leslie Nielsen. Okay. China Strike Force, The Myth, Lanterns, Kung Fu Yoga, and this year, a Jackie Chan film called Vanguard. Okay. What do we think of the directing?
0: It's competent.
1: I mean, talk about swinging for the fences.
0: And no money. No. No money. So crappy script, no money. They made this shit work.
1: Yeah, you have to practically figure out how you're gonna do all this stuff with mm-hmm. just the actors and the amount of cameras you have. Yep. Because there ain't no special effects. And film.
0: Happening. And the amount of film. This is this is one of the things that we always forget to talk about in terms of budget is nowadays we're on digital. Yeah. It's just a new cartridge. Who gives a shit? You just need a new flash drive. I know it's more complicated than that, but it's essentially the same thing. <laughs> Back in the old days it was fucking film. Yes. That was that ate up a huge chunk of your budget. This is it. Like you only have so many feet and when you're out, you're out. So
1: director, you you accomplished your goal. He is incredibly good at knowing exactly where he needs to put the camera. Yep. There's a level of polish that's not quite there.
0: Yeah, and I think that comes from money and the script's just not there to help you. And you can't like I just, um, I any <laughs> directing problems, I'm really, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put on the director. It's no. really the script is the problem here.
1: There was difficulty filming a New York story in Vancouver, which is where they were.
0: Big shot.
1: <laughs> the production team had to put up fake graffiti each day and then clean it all off in the evening Aww. when they were first starting off. And simultaneously, they were having to figure out how to get the shots set up so they wouldn't catch the mountains in the background. <laughs> And eventually, Jackie and the production crew all looked at that and went, Who cares? The action is what they're here for. That's what everybody cares about. Nobody fucking cares if we can see the Empire State Building or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, fucking forget it. So, at some point, they just gave up on that. Mm -hmm. And that's why you do see mountains in the background, which when that happened, I burst out laughing. Yeah. And it's not because, like, it's bad. It's just because you see it and you're like, I know you're not in fucking New York
0: i didn't notice because <laughs> i
1: didn't care that's hey that works but there you go i i noticed it but you know if you if you are just so invested in the action of it yeah mm-hmm. and people were yeah i think people were just so stunned by seeing what he was capable of doing that they were like i don't know what's happening anymore yeah how does a human being do that and move that fast uh-huh and not die Also, Stanley Tong serves as a stunt driver in this film. Okay. And dubbed Jackie Chan in the scenes that required driving. So pretty sure when that Lamborghini's going through, that's probably our director. That's cool. There's more badassness coming from Stanley Tong later. Hmm. Our cast. And we start with the guy. The guy. Jackie Chan as Kung.
0: Who we've never talked about before.
1: No. No. He has not popped up yet. He has been around literally forever mm-hmm. his first film role was actually in 1962 mm-hmm. he becomes a mainstay in hong kong cinema starting in 1970 yep before this he is in enter the dragon
0: which we will be covering in this series
1: yes he's uncredited but he's there yes he is drunken master the cannonball run the cannonball run 2 the protector police story armor of god project a2 police story Two. The Prisoner, Operation Condor, Supercop, Crime Story, Supercop 2, and The Legend of Drunken Master, the year before this movie comes out. After this, Thunderbolt, First Strike, Mr. Nice Guy, and Alan Smithy firm Burn Hollywood Burn, Who Am I, Rush Hour, Shanghai Noon, Rush Hour 2, The Tuxedo, Shanghai Nights, The Medallion, Around the World in 80 Days, New Police Story, The Myth, Rush Hour 3, The Forbidden Kingdom, all of the Kung Fu Panda films, The Spy Next Door, 2010's The Karate Kid, Chinese Zodiac, Police Story Lockdown, Skip Trace Kung Fu Yoga, The Lego Ninjago Movie, The Foreigner, Vanguard, and he has like five projects going on right now.
0: Yep. And also I think it's really important that everybody knows that his stunt crew did all of the motion capture for the Lego Ninjago movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just think it's really
1: important. His stunt crew is... The best.
0: Oh, we did talk about his stunt crew a little bit on Tomorrow Never Dies because Michelle Yao was a member.
1: And hey, if we ever want to cross up, those two are in a couple movies together. Yep. What do we think of Jackie Chan in this film?
0: He's pretty good. He's doing his best with the crappy script. I mean, let's be clear. I've i I've certainly seen better performances from him, but I just watched him and I was just like, he's Buster Keaton. He is.
1: Physically, he is on point. Sure. There are no complaints with his fighting style, with anything. It's almost as though you can see that they filmed in sequence Mm -hmm. because he progressively feels more comfortable as the movie goes along. I don't know if maybe it's his dub that feels off at the beginning of the movie Mm. or just something doesn't feel right. But somewhere, especially by the time we get to that warehouse fight, Mm. when he shuts them all down, there's a confidence that he suddenly gets that just hasn't been there the rest of the film. And I'm not exactly sure
0: well, where that, that
1: switch flipped.
0: Well, that's the writing, too. Yeah. Also, he takes off his jacket. He's
1: sleepless. I know. That helps. The
0: guns are showing.
1: <laughs> well, the guns are showing at like the first scene of the movie. Yeah. Put a but tank top on, lifting I, groceries.
0: I know, but now they're like out with a purpose. <laughs> He's using them for defense.
1: No, it's just, I, I know I have seen parts of his movies that came from Hong Kong. Mm hmm. And he always had that confidence in acting and action. Like That's what made him so amazing is, yes, he could do all these crazy stunts, but also he was incredibly charismatic. Mm -hmm. And later on, he's got that. Mm -hmm. But here it feels real mixed up.
0: It's very uneven.
1: But again, I I blame the script for that more than anything
0: else, because I know what he's capable of. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen, like, these aren't even the craziest stunts he's been, he's done. No, they're not. They really aren't. And this isn't even the funny shit that he can do. I mean, he really is Buster Keaton. He is. He's our Buster Keaton. And I adore him. And he's just hilarious.
1: And then <laughs> we have our puns. Because literally nobody else in this movie like did anything else. Mm-hmm. They're either somewhat prominent Hong Kong actors or stunt people from Vancouver. Okay. That's who the rest of this cast is. So... We have Anita Mui playing Elaine, the shopkeeper lady. Mm -hmm. She appeared in The Legend of Drunken Master the year before this. We have Francoise Yip playing Nancy. This is her debut film role. She also shows up in Romeo Must Die and Blade Trinity. Bill Tong playing Uncle Bill. This guy has the most fascinating acting career. He played two characters throughout his Mm -hmm. entire career in cinema. Either Uncle slash Inspector Bill, Jackie's bumbling police chief. Which he is in all the police story movies, or Uncle Bill, the bumbling family man that wins the lottery, possibly the inspiration for this character.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he's always named Bill. He's just Uncle Bill in every movie. Mm-hmm. I don't. I love it. He just must know somebody and they cast him, and then that was it yep. for the rest of his life. We have Mark Akerstream as Tony. He's mostly a stuntman and worked on The Sweet Hereafter, Deep Rising, and the television show Crow Stairway to Heaven, where he died filming that television series. He also served as a stunt driver and producing the Automoto action in this film. Mm-hmm. Garvin Cross as Angelo. He is also a stuntman and coordinated stunts most recently for 2020's Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay. He has also doubled for both Jeremy Renner and Daniel Craig in a film, which I, I saw Daniel Craig when I looked at him. I was like, eh, you, could, you could double Morgan Lamb playing Danny. This is his only ever film role. Really? He's in one other really straight to VHS movie somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Emil Chow as the ice cream salesman in the ice cream truck. This is a deliberate Hong Kong cameo because Emil Chow is a famous singer songwriter from Taiwan who is super popular throughout a large part of Southeast Asia, and especially in China and Hong Kong. Oh, neat. And then Glenn Shin, playing Man, he's in there somewhere. The coolest thing about him is he's a dialogue coach for this film. Oh, cool. And worked with a lot of Hong Kong actors to work with English language, and also has some cameo appearances in 51st Dates and Natural Born Killers. And that is it. Like, I'm well. digging for these. Trivia. Okay. There are so many broken legs and ankles in the filming of this movie.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right. We see some of them in the credits.
1: We do. Jackie broke his ankle jumping onto the hovercraft. Okay. Despite that injury, he made it later that night to the Vancouver premiere of The Legend of Drunken Master. Cool. Stanley Tong, the director, sprained his ankle on set and filmed the rest of the movie on crutches. Okay. Francoise Yip broke her leg riding the motorcycle across the parked cars. She insisted on returning to the set after having her leg plastered. And two stunt women also broke their legs during the later motorcycle chase. Okay. So many. So many. So many broken limbs.
0: Sounds about right.
1: Now for the badassness of Stanley Tong. The script had the leap from the parking lot to fire escape written into it. Yep. That was always a part of this movie. Mm -hmm. Tong, as is his custom, attempted the stunt before asking the actors to do it. Respect. (laughs) I was like, this man. This man understands. Mm -hmm. He tried using a cable harness, but he actually figured out doing that, that it was going to be safer not having a safety harness. Mm -hmm. And the landing point was not visible from the roof where they were at. Mm -hmm. So they had to mark it with tape from where you had to jump and hope that you landed. Yep. Jackie did it on his first attempt. Of course he did. With four cameras watching. Of course. And that is totally him jumping across buildings. No safety wires. I believe it. That's
0: nuts. I totally believe that.
1: But mad respect for the director who goes, yeah, I'll fucking do it to prove we can. Okay, man. You know what's funny is that now
0: with other movies, especially a lot of stuntmen are becoming directors. And now one of the hallmarks of some of those films is that the directors are taking the camera in their hands and running and just telling their actor, follow me and the actors are like ah fuck yep i can't say no when the director is the one doing it it's very it's very interesting it's very cool it's kind
1: of a legacy of point break almost
0: a little bit point break uh i know that's a whole thing with john wick it's a whole thing with the the new film extraction Mm -hmm. with chris hemsworth yeah it's a whole like it's a little bit of like don't put people in harm's way who are not willing to do it like you got to agree to this shit But I also, I respect, like, I'm not going to make anyone do anything that I myself am not willing to do.
1: The warehouse fight took 20 days to film because they had to teach all the Vancouver stunt people how to fight, quote, Hong Kong style.
0: Yeah. How can they fight Jack Chan?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Uh, That's, and that makes sense. It was like 20 days seems like a lot, but it's like, no, you've got to rehearse this. They've all got to understand how to make this work because they've never fought this guy before.
0: Well, and- we we talked about it before. Like they fight full out.
1: Oh yeah, they fight full out safely, but they still fight full contact.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Okay.
1: But credit where credits due. It looks all the good. Van- all the Vancouver actors look good in the fighting sequence. That scene is great. Like their their performances are way over the top. Oh yes. And the dub doesn't help.
0: No. Because if the, the
1: if if we heard their actual voices, it might work better. Yeah. But. Their actual stunt work is really good. Yeah. And I do have to give them credit.
0: Oh, I fully agree on that.
1: They were originally going to distribute the movie as Rumble in Vancouver, but the American distributors decided definitely that they uh, wanted to go with Rumble in the Bronx instead.
0: Well, that sounds better.
1: Yeah. And finally, as we noted, and as has been noted to us, the game gear Kung Gives Danny has no cartridge.
0: Nope. It does not
1: <laughs> multiple multiple times. times.
0: It's not even the first time. He was playing with it at least three times in the movie, and at no point do they put a cartridge in the
1: game. How did you not
0: catch that? That's that's pretty bad. Like that that one was yeah. Was like great. I
1: understand no money, but like if you're gonna have to reshoot a scene, it's not that hard to reshoot those. No, no,
0: put something in it to make it look like it's not because it's obviously empty. Just put a piece of wood, paint it black, just put something in there so it's not empty. We don't have to know what game is in there. Who gives a shit? Just make it so it's obviously not empty. That's the problem.
1: I feel like that's a metaphor for this whole movie. We
0: told a friend we were doing this movie and they like, please, please double check for me whether or not that kid has, there's a game in it because that bugs me. And not only was he right, he
1: was triply right.
0: Triply right. Absolutely. So. Yep.
1: <sighs> well, I I feel like there's only one choice for our rating system, and it's how many empty game gears. Yeah,
0: how many empty game gears are there? <laughs> well, you had seen this movie, so you have to go first.
1: So I've only seen like a yeah, tiny you, bit of but this But you movie. had more
0: frame of reference than I did, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: you, so it's your movie. I feel like the empty game gear is such a metaphor for this movie. Mm-hmm. In it, that It really is. It's super flashy and cool and awesome, but there is no substance to
0: it (laughs) It there's a dearth of substance
1: (laughs) like there's nothing there to actually grab a hold of and the only reason i wound up enjoying it as much as i did was that it started just getting bonkers to the point where i was like wow what a fucking ride now like Mm -hmm. i don't even know what's gonna happen next fucking hovercraft's gonna run people over on a golf course like what's next man i'm gonna say two empty game gears
0: I was going to go with two as well. Yeah. it, it was just, I love all the fighting. Love Jackie Chan.
1: The idea is not bad at all. It's just like Die Another Day where it's like, I don't know that I would say don't watch this movie. You could have a great enjoyable hour and a half watching this movie. Yeah. But there's not a lot there.
0: It's just not very good.
1: No. No. Especially compared to other things we've seen from him. hmm that's mm-hmm. it. So what's next?
0: Next, we're going to revisit one of our previous favorite action stars, Sylvester Stallone. Ooh! And we're going to see one of his big films that we've never seen.
1: That I feel like a lot of people have never seen.
0: Yeah, but the most common description of the film is Die Hard on a Mountain.
1: Oh, we're doing cliffhanger. Cliffhanger.